This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. <coughs> okay, how's everybody doing? Uh, how's my jet lag? It's great. I enjoy jet lag. <laughs> now I'm used to it. Um, I had a, I had a very good uh, flight and a good seat. I got some sleep on the plane, so we're doing good. And especially we could learn together, what could be better? Okay, I'm not even giving this out yet because it's going to be more dramatic if I hand it out in the middle. Okay. <laughs> Imagine if we had the opportunity to go into the Beis HaMikdash, to enter the Beis HaMikdash. We would be changed people. Our lives would be revolutionized. You know, there was a man by the name of Yossi Meshisa. Yossi Meshisa was a rebel. He was a heretic. He was... He joined the enemy. And when the Romans came to destroy the Beis HaMikdash, they used him as a guinea pig. Do you know what a guinea pig is? They have such an expression over here. You know, basically, the, the Gentiles were afraid to go into the Beis HaMikdash. So they figured, okay, let's... Let's test the waters on this guy, Yosef Meshisa. If he goes in and nothing happens to him, it's, it's going to be safe sailing. So they send in Yosef Meshisa. They said, do us a favor. Go into the Beis HaMikdash and take whatever you want. So he comes out. And he comes out with the most prized possession. He comes out with the menorah. You know, and they said, uh, yeah, you have good taste. You have, they said, you have very good taste. But you, you can have anything. But you can't have the menorah. It's like, you know, um, I don't like to go shopping. Shopping is like the worst thing you could possibly do. So, um, how, what do I do? Where do I get my ties from? My father buys a lot of ties. And then I go into his closet. And he's like, Donnie, take whatever ties you want. And sometimes I say, you know, you have good taste. But he doesn't say, you know, your taste is too good. You can't have that one. Whatever I choose, I, I can have the tie. But Yosef Mashisa. They're like, you have, your taste is too good. You could take anything, but not the menorah. You can't have the menorah. So, whatever else you want. Go back in one more time. He said, I'm not going. So what do you mean you're not going? You went in the first time. He said, I'm not going. Why? He said, woe to me that I angered my Creator one time. I'm not going to do it again. So the Panovich Rav asks, if he went in the first time, why wouldn't he do it again? You know, the Panovich Rav is one of the great architects of Torah, one of the great builders of Torah. In fact, he's also one of the great all-time best fundraisers. You know, one, sometimes rabbis have to fundraise. It's not a pleasant job. Nobody likes to ask other people for money. I know you don't like to be asked for money, but people asking don't even like... But the Panavich Rav was an expert fundraiser. He was such a good fundraiser. The joke goes, how do you know there's no life on Mars? Right? How do you, maybe there is life on Mars. Because if there was life on Mars, the Panavich Rav would have gone there to fundraise. You know, so Panavich Rav says the reason why Yosef Meshisa did not go into the Beis Hamikdash is because the reason, he, because he already went in one time. And when he went in one time, it changed his life. The Kedusha, the infusion of Kedusha that he experienced going to the base of Mikdash one time, it elevated him so greatly that it changed his life forever. Friends, imagine if we had the opportunity to go into the base of Mikdash, we would be different people. But the truth is, we do have the opportunity to go into the base of Mikdash. We do it every single day. I want to share with you a perspective on tefillah. 
that will revolutionize the way you daven. It's really a remarkable um, pers- uh, uh, perspective on tefillah. It comes primarily from the Sefer of Rav Shimon Schwab on tefillah, but it was all, it's not his invention. This was originally uh, the Chiddush of Rav Yaakov Emden. It's something that if, you're, if you could recognize this and appreciate this, it will forever change the way you daven. Let me share with you the way I came to it, and, um, and Bezos Hashem, it's really a, a great gift. Every morning, when a Jew wakes up, the first thing that we do, we say, Moida'ani. But did, did you know that women are not supposed to say Moida'ani? Yeah, they never told you that in, in school? Women are not supposed to say Moida'ani. They're supposed to say, Moida'ani, Lashon Akeva. You know that? Shalom Zaman says, you don't say Moida'ani. Uh, you could ask your local Orthodox consultant. But that's what Shomaz Zalman Orbach writes. Moda ani lefanecha melachavikem shechazarta bi nishmasi. Bechemla, kamla, kama, kama, mean pause. Rab, not bechemla rabba. In the song it's bechemla rabba emunasa. That's wrong. It's bechemla, pause, rabba emunasacha. Fine. But before you say even moida ani, or, or very shortly after, you're supposed to wash Negavasar. Why do you wash Negamasa? You were supposed to wash your hands three times. Because uh, in the course of the night, when the Neshama goes up to Shamayim, it creates a vacuum of Kedusha, the forces of impurity come onto the body, and then in the morning when the Neshama comes back, they are banished except for the fingertips. So um, the first thing you do in the morning is you want to wash your hands. Okay. Now, very important, before you wash Negamasa, you can't touch food. You can't touch your eyes, you can't touch your ears, you can't touch your nose. Not only can you not, you don't even touch them on the outside. There's impurity on the hands, you don't want it to get into, into the body. That's negavasar. You, you have to feed a baby, you should make sure you wash your hands for negavasar before you, you feed the baby. Well, the baby is old enough to eat with his own hands, it is uh, recommended. The kid's already eating finger food, go ahead, wash for sure by the age of 6 or 7, the child is the age of chinuch, then you should wash the kid's hands for negavasar. But it's a good idea that once the kid is eating with his hands already, he should wash his hands for negavasar. Now, if you came here just to hear this, I want to share with you something very important. Many people when they wake up in the morning, what's the first thing they do? They check their phone. And they think, that's what it says in Shulchan Aruch, right? Many people, they think Shulchan Aruch says, Yiskaber ka'ari lakum ba'voyker lechapes ba'telefon. But I just want to say, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say in Shulchan Aruch, you should check your phone first thing in the morning. In fact, you shouldn't check your phone first thing in the morning. The first thing you do in the morning should always be, avoidas Hashem. Kadesh li kol b'char. You always want to sanctify your firsts. So which means that the first look in the morning, if you can, look at a mezuzah. Your first thought, think about Hashem. Your first words should be Moida'ani. A good practice is, don't check your phone until after your daven. You're not missing anything. What are you, what are you missing? They, it's a bill. Well, what do they want from you already? You're not missing anything. And if you wait until after your daven, you'll hear good things. You'll get Basura's Taivais on the phone. They'll tell you you won the lottery. Guaranteed. No, no, I'm just joking. But you'll hear good news. It's better to start your day with Avodah Hashem than to start your day with your phone. Anyway, you're so addicted to it. Get off it already. Not you. I mean people in New York. But, um, okay. 
But there's another interesting halacha, and that even if you wash negavaser, most people, they're not davening right away. They still have to get dressed, they have to brush their teeth, they have to get, they have to get themselves together. Did you know that you're going to wash your hands another time before you daven? And you make a bracha al natiyas yadayim, right? Did you know that you make a bracha of al natiyas yadayim in the morning? And why you make a bracha al natiyas yadayim? Not eating bread yet. You ever wonder about that? Why in the world am I making a bracha? Do women say al natiyas yadayim? I think so. It's in the siddur. Yeah, you make it? Let's take an unofficial poll. Who, who would like to identify themselves as somebody who says the bracha of al natiyas yadayim in the morning, right? That's the way you ask the question. Yeah, we all, they do it, right? Okay, so, <laughs> see, I'm not putting you on the spot. I'm not asking if you actually do it. If you identify as somebody who would like to do it, right? So, why, why are you saying al natil sidaim in the morning? You ever wonder about that? You're not eating bread. So the Rajva says something very interesting. The Rajva says that when you wake up in the morning, you're like a kohen. And a Koyin would inaugurate his Avodah on the Beis HaMikdash by washing his hands from the Kiar. The Kiar was a big laver of water in the beginning of the Beis HaMikdash from which the Koyin would wash his hands. And every day, you, when you start your Avodah Sashem, you're like a Koyin inaugurating his Avodah in the Beis HaMikdash. So I was thinking about that. What do you mean like a Koyin? I'm not a Koyin. You want to say, hear something very interesting? Not only am I not a Koyin, my father is also not a Koyin. And also his father wasn't a Kayin. And it's, it's, well, what's the likelihood? No one in my patrilineal descent was a Kayin. It's really remarkable. It's zero. I mean, what, what are the, what's the chances of that? Actually, I, I know I'm not a Kayin. I'm from Shevet Yehuda. Supposedly we were from David HaMelech. But don't get too excited because almost all Ashkenazim are from David HaMelech. 80% of Ashkenazim are from David HaMelech. And so why do I have to wash my hands in the, in the morning? Kaihanim had to wash their hands in the morning. Why do I have to wash my hands in the morning? But here's another interesting halacha. And this is what I call one of the most misunderstood halachos in Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch writes in Simon Sadi Dalit that when I daven Shemana Esrei, so I'm supposed to face east, right? Do they face east in Amsterdam? You guys face east? Southeast or straight or due east? Southeast, let's face Mizrach. Yeah, and you face Eretz Yisrael. You face uh, Yerushalayim. It's okay, but I'm going to sit there. But um, but then the the Mechaber, the Shulchan Aruch says you face Eretz Yisrael, you face Yerushalayim, and Yechavein Es Atzmai Lebeis Kodesh Hakadoshim. You should have Kavana to the Holy of Holies. So I think most people understand that to mean you should face the Holy of Holies. But if you think about that, does that really ha- make any sense? Once I'm already facing Eretz Yisrael, I'm already facing Yerushalayim, so then I'm facing the Holy of Holies. I can't get myself any more precise. Once I'm, if I'm in a different country and I'm facing Eretz Yisrael or Yerushalayim, I can't get myself any more precise by facing the Holy of Holies. So the Mishaburah says, no, it doesn't mean you should face the Holy of Holies. This is a very important halacha. You should have kavana that when you daven Shemana Esrei, have in mind, imagine yourself like you're standing in the Holy of Holies, the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Did you know that halacha? That when you daven Shemana Esrei, you're supposed to imagine yourself standing in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Who here thinks uh, better? Who would like to identify as somebody who when they daven Shemana Esrei, they're thinking as if they're standing in the Holy of Holies. 
Right? That's the halacha. So I'm thinking, well, wait a second. So when I start davening, I'm washing my hands like a koyin who washes his hands when he goes into the Beis HaMikdash. And then when I'm by the pinnacle of davening, I'm by Shemana Esrei, I'm having in mind as if I'm in the Kodesh HaKadashim. So Rab Schwab, Rab Shimon Schwab, who is a rabbi in... Uh, yeah, the rabbits in... Did you know him? Really? Yes, the Rebbitson has stories. Okay, I'm going to step aside for a moment. Okay. Reb Schwab has an amazing exposition on davening. I've said this many times, but it's worthwhile to, to review and to see it in um, real, uh, real life diagram. Reb Schwab understands, and this is really based on the Siddur Rabbi Yaakov Emden, that the Siddur... The tefillah, which was composed primarily by Anshik Nesakdah, is based upon, in format, the Beis HaMikdash itself, where the various parts of davening are an experience in traveling through the Beis HaMikdash. So that as you're davening, you're, it's an exercise in imagery, walking through the Beis HaMikdash. And uh, I would like to um, hand out these... Uh, very beautiful, colorful handouts, courtesy of Artscroll, Masora Publications, and actually, um, with permission from Artscroll, that my my wife made this for this year. And um, you could take it, you could put it in your sitter, you could hang it up in your living room, you could frame it, and um, it's really it's a life changing uh, perspective on davening. Now, you see, in America, they have these stores that are open 24 hours a day. Let's see if you know anything about America. What stores are in America are open 24 hours a day? You could get a coffee, you could get a Coca-Cola, you could get whatever you want. 7-Eleven. Yeah, you ever hear of 7-Eleven? No? Well, you don't come to America? You're, you're, you need to get around a little bit. Do you know what a 7-Eleven is? Yeah. Okay. The base Hamikdash was not 7-Eleven. It's not open 24 hours a day. It opens at the crack of dawn. But there were tzaddikim and chasidim that would congregate in an area that you have over here in the Ezra's Nashim. And they would already be saying um, Tehillim, Bakashais, Trinais um, before the crack of dawn. And all the tefillos in the Siddur that precede the Berchus HaShachar, Adoy Noilam, and Yigdal, and Matoivu, and all the other tefillos, that represents the area of the Beis HaMikdash known as the Ezra's Nashem. Okay, we move on. You come to the shul, the first thing you do is, you say, Berchus HaShachar. What's Asher Nasam Nasech Vivina? Lahav Chimeyim Uvein Leila. Shaloy Asani Goy, Shaloy Asani Oved, Shaloy Kertzoynoy, Shaloy Achivrim, Mal Besharumim. Yeah, those are the brachas. Does anybody know? How many brachas are there? Fifteen brachas. So I don't know why fifteen. It's actually uh, really there are fourteen brachas according to the Gemara, and then there's a later bracha that was added in the times of the Ga'inim. Hanoisein um, kayach. God gives the weary strength. I personally am very happy that they added that bracha. Sometimes in the morning, I'm tired. Even now, I should say that bracha. But God gives strength to the weary. 
Maybe it was added later in history because Klai Yisrael, after so much suffering and so much tragedy, we're worn out, we're weary, and we need Hashem to infuse us with strength. Why are there 15 Brachos HaShachar? Because to get from the Ezras Nashim to the area of the Ezras Yisrael, there are exactly 15 steps. So as we're making each one of the Brachos HaShachar, we're virtually going up from step to step to step from the Ezras Nashim to the Ezras Yisrael. Okay, so that's a very beautiful uh, perspective on the Berchus HaShachar. These are not just 15 things we're thanking Hashem for. These are 15 steps of elevation to get us from Ezras Nashim to the Ezras Yisrael. Now, the next part of davening, even many men don't say, actually most men don't say it, but it's in the Siddur, it's before the Karbanois, it's, um, you talk about Hashem ingathering the exiles, and you make a bracha, Baruch Hashem, Mekadesh Shemoy Barabim. You ever hear that bracha? Many men are not even in shul at that time. But um, in many Nusach Ashkenaz uh, shuls, they don't even start, they don't even say that, they start with Mizmar Shir. In many yeshivas, they start with Mizmar Shir. But it's in the Siddur, it's a bracha, Baruch Hashem, Mekadesh Shemoy Barabim. Let me explain to you what this uh, represents. You see, were Gentiles allowed to go into the base of Mikdash? Technically, there were many areas they were allowed to go in because it's ki ki basi base filayi karel chal ha'amim. The base of Mikdash is a house of worship and prayer for all nations. However, they're not allowed to go beyond the Ezra's Nashim. They can't go into the Ezra's Yisrael. So, can you imagine you're going to the base of Mikdash with your business partner, with Tony, with Frank, and you know. Tony and Frank, they're coming with Karbanis also. They're allowed to send Karbanis, they just can't go in. And at a certain point, you say, Hey, Tony, you stay out. This is only for uh, Jewish people. They don't like that. They say that's uh, prejudiced. That's, uh, say, what, what could I do? You know, God only lets His children in. Because don't make a mistake, only the Jewish people are the children of Hashem. Only the Jewish people are God's children. All of mankind is man's handiwork. Uh, all of mankind is created in the image of God. Only the Jewish people are the children of Hashem. So He allows the children... So they say, uh, this is not fair, this is prejudice. And it's dangerous to make that separation. So at that point we say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Eloikeinu Hashem Echad. Meaning we're ready to give up our lives. And that's when we go into the Ezra's... Uh, Yisrael. Now I'm going to tell you a chiddush. Actually, my father showed it to me. And um, it seems like the Mishabura uh, holds of this. This is the Psaq of the Mishabura. Rabbi Yashav writes likewise. And um, I told my wife. My wife started doing this. My mother started doing it. My sister started doing it. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just like a guest, a friend. You could ask your local Orthodox uh, rabbis. What do you call them here? Rabbis? Chachamim? Rabbis. Okay, that's when, you, that's when you're in a good mood. <laughs> okay, so you ask your local Orthodox... The Chacham. Yeah, I know, I'm just like, you know... Just for like some interaction between the rabbi and the audience. Because, okay. <laughs> um, do you know that before, da- before Shachris, it's preferable to say Karbanais? Many men don't say Karbanais. In Yeshivas, they don't really say Karbanais. But at the minimum, one is required to say the Parshas HaTamid. And Rabbi Yashif says, and Mishabur says, women should say the Parshas HaTamid. 
So don't feel bad if you don't, because most people never heard this before. But you can look into it. Do your own research. Ask. What? What does the text look like? The, the Parsha Tam go like that. First there's a tefillah. That goes, But the Parsha Tam is, It's one paragraph. Okay? Um... You could ask your local rabbis, and when they hear the question, they're like, huh, I never heard that. They're going to look it up, and then they're going to come back to you in a week, and they're going to say, yeah, you really have to say that, even though nobody ever asked them that question before. But that's what Rabbi Yashav writes. I'm not telling you what, I'm not here to tell you what to do, but even men, some men don't have time to say carbonize, so your job is to kick them out of the house early enough that they could get, get to the shul on time, obviously in a very nice way. <coughs> if, if you don't know how to do that, then don't bother. But... Um, Karbonois correspond to the Mizbeach. Okay? So as you're entering the Beis HaMikdash, you're, if, you, if you look on your chart, you come to the Mizbeach. This is the great Mizbeach that was always um, consuming Karbonois. This corresponds to the part of the davening of Karbonois. So at the very least, you're going to want to say the Parshas HaTamid. Now, you're not yet in what is called, known as the Heichal. The Heichal is the Holy of Holies and the Holy, okay? In order to get up there, you have to climb 12 steps. Okay, I'm at number 53. Do you see where these stairs over here in the middle? These light blue stairs, look where I'm pointing. There are these stairs, there are 12 stairs. And then the platform of the Ulam, a total of 13 stairs. The 12 stairs and the platform. That corresponds to... The 13 principles of exegesis, of drush, kavachoymer. You know, before Pesukah de Zimra, there's a passage, before Pesukah de Zimra, I'll tell you, technically, you're not halachically obligated to say that. I like to say it only because, like, in my mind, how am I supposed to get from the Mizbeach into the Ulam if I don't say it. These are the stairs. So I like to say it. But the point is, it's, it's not that you have to say every single part, but recognize that the davening is a process of entering the Beis HaMikdash until you ultimately get to the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Now we come to the Ulam. Let me show you. The Ulam is a very wide opening. See the Ulam? You see where it says Baruch Sha'amar? Also, don't be polite and nod your head, and even though you don't know what I'm talking about, okay? So, Baruch Sha'amar is over here. I want you to see what I'm referring to, okay? Baruch Sha'amar by number 54. You see, the ulam was a very wide opening. You know, does anybody know what animal the heichal is compared to? The basement is compared to a lion, because the lion is broad in the front and narrow in the back. So, you see, the ulam is very uh, wide in the front and narrower in the back. The opening of the base of the ulam is Baruch Sha'amar. and the the opening of the heichal is Yishtabach. So the ulam begins with bar, the opening of the ulam represents Baruch Sha'amar. and Baruch Sha'amar represents the opening of the ulam. Yishtabach represents the opening of the heichal. Now, if you were to go into the ulam and you would look at the ceiling, there were chains hanging down from the ceiling. 
the young kaihanim would climb up and down these chains, and on the ceiling of the ulam, there were two crowns. One was the crown of uh, Zerubbabel, and one was the crown of Melch HaMashiach. Psuke de Zimra is compared to chains. And the reason for that is, each part of Psuke de Zimra links into the next part of Psuke de Zimra. You ever wonder, you know, we have all these paragraphs and passages in Psuke de Zimra. Are, are they just repetitive? What's the purpose of them? What's the objective of them? If you study it carefully, you'll see how one part links into the next. Actually, according to Rav Schwab, there are five main parts of Psuke de Zimra. They are, Negadelcha, Neshabechacha, Unifaercha, Venazker Shimcha, Venamlichacha. These are the five parts of Psuke de Zimra. <coughs> I'll try to explain very briefly, Okay. The first part of Sukkot Zimra is Negadelcha. Now usually I tell this to men. And I'm going to tell you the way I say it to the men because it's the best analogy. Okay, so you have to buy your wife flowers, right? Okay, imagine I'm speaking. You have to buy your wife flowers. So most men, they, what do they do? They pick up a bouquet of roses. A, a, a bouquet of... A, they get a dozen roses. A dozen roses. A dozen roses. And I tell them a million times, you can't just buy 12 roses. You got to change it up sometime. Imagine if every single Friday they're going to go for it. Every Friday, the same dozen roses, the same dozen roses, the same dozen roses. You got to change it up. Sometimes you need to get a bouquet of flowers. What's the difference between 12 roses and a bouquet of flowers? 12 roses is, sometimes it's very beautiful, when you have many of the same type. When all the flowers are uniform. It looks nice, like we came off the plane and we saw tulips. Do tulips only grow in the airport or they actually have tulips in Amsterdam? (laughs) Or they only have them in the airport? No comment. We have everywhere. What? We have the tulip fields. The tulip fields. Okay. You could get one type of flower as you get many of the same type of flower. But sometimes it's very beautiful if you get a bouquet of flowers. You, get, you take a bunch of different types of flowers and you tie them together. You get a tulip and a rose and an orchid and a lily and that's the extent of my flower knowledge. Okay? So... <laughs> And you tie it together, and it's very beautiful. The first part of Sukkot Zimra is Negadelcha. Gidol means braiding. If you notice, like in Haidu or in Yehichavayid, we take psukim from all over Tanakh that have similar words, and we braid them together. For example, first we take Rachamim. We say, "Vehu Rachumi Chaperavan So we'll take three psukim. From all over Tanakh, they each have the word Rachamim in it. We'll tie it together. Then we'll take Psukim from Tanakh that talk about Oy is God's strength. Then we'll take Psukim from Tanakh that talk about Hashem's ability to take Nekama, revenge. This is a type of praise that's called braiding. By the way, in Slichos, we also do that. We, we take Psukim from all over Tanakh and we group it together by similar themes. That's one way of praising Hashem. That's Negadelcha. Ashrei is Neshabechacha. Neshabechacha means where we say that even the things in our life that are, are difficult and challenging, Hashem, we, we recognize that, it, that you're doing it for our good. Okay? Then you have the Halalukas. The Halalukas are Unifa'ercha. The five Halalukas talk about the five epic periods of Jewish history, the end of days. The first Halaluka talks about in the era before the coming of Mashiach. The second Halalukah, is talking about the active coming of Mashiach. 
the bracha of Hallelujah Hashem and Hashemayim, the Hallelujah of Hallelujah the third Hallelujah is the arrival of Mashiach. The fourth Hallelujah of Yifoyer Anovim Bishua Yiranenu Al Mishkevoisam is the song for the resurrection of the dead. And the fifth Hallelujah is the song of the afterlife. Okay, that's Nifa'ercha. That's the Pe'er, the glory of Jewish history, of world history. Then, Nazker Shimcha, where we say that we attribute everything that happens in the world to God's name. That's Va'ivarech David, Unahalel Hashem Tfartecha, that's V'charisimaya Bris. And then, V'namlichacha, that's Az Yasher. Az Yasher ends, Hashem Yimloch Le'elam Va'ed, in Yishtabach you have the word Melech five times. I'm just trying to show that actually Pesukim is broken up into five parts. Negadelcha, Neshabechecha, Nefaercha, Nazkershimcha, Venamlicha. If you want to know more about this, we have uh, many, many dozens of shirim. You could follow it on TorahAnytime.com. After the, the um, conference, you could spend the next few years just listening to the shirim on Torah Anytime and on Tefillah. Okay, so if you have time to take off a few years of work, you could listen to... But I'm just giving you the Rashi Prakim, the, the general headers. Fine. Now we're ready to enter the Heichal. When you enter the Heichal, you would see on your right side, who knows, which Kli of the Beis HaMikdash would you see on your right side when you enter the Heichal? You would see the Shulchan. On the left side, you would see the Menorah. Dead center, straight center, you see the Mizbech HaKtaras. Let's explain. There are two ways to recognize God in this world. You know, my son came home from Yeshiva, and his daddy, his Rebbe, told him something. He doesn't know how it could be. And his Rebbe was right. His Rebbe said that in the human body, there are blood passageways, veins, arteries, sinews, if you would string it out, it would be 75 million miles long. It would go around the earth two and a half times. You hear this? You know that every heartbeat has to pump blood the length of two and a half times around the world. Think about that. Think about that. We just flew from New York to Amsterdam. We were on the plane the whole night. And New York to Amsterdam is not to the end of the world. It's not, it's not such a long flight. The heart pumps the blood... Literally, the distance of two and a half times around the world. Do you realize the power, the wisdom of the Creator? That my, my son came home, where in the body is 75 million miles of highways? And we looked it up, the Rebbe was right. The blood travels 75 million miles in, in, one, in one heartbeat. So one way to recognize God in the world is through the physical universe even the, even the human body. That is reflected by the Shulchan. The Shulchan is the material world. That's the Shulchan on the right side. You know what, rep, what bracha represents the Shulchan? Yoytzer ar That God created the luminaries. God created the sun, the moon, the stars. The physical world, studying the physical world, is a way to recognize Hashem in the world. But you know what? An even more powerful way to recognize God in the world? You see, if a person has questions... How do I see God? Oh, so an answer could be, how could the human body be an accident when there's, 
Would anybody say any highway in the world was an accident? Would you say any highway anywhere in the world just came to be by accident? Of course not. There has to be plan. There had to be a designer. So how could the human body with 75 million miles of passageway be an accident? So that's an answer to the question. But you know what's an even more powerful way to see Hashem in the world? Learning Tyra. When you learn Tyra, it's not that it provides you an answer to the question. You don't have a question. When you learn Tyra, you intuitively recognize Misha Amar Vahaya Ha'ilam. You know how you believe Hashem Aleikenu Hashem Echad? By learning Torah, you intuitively recognize Hashem. That's the Menorah on the left. That's the Menorah on the left. Ahava Rabbah corresponds to the Menorah on the left. So if you would enter the Heichal, on the right side, the north, is Yoytzer Ar. That represents the physical world. That represent, uh, represented by the Shulchan. On the left side, you have the Menorah in the south. That represents recognizing Hashem through the Torah. By the way, the Gemara tells us something very interesting. Raise your hand if you want to be wealthy. Raise your hand if you want to be wise. Okay. Raise your hand if you want both. Now you can't have both. <laughs> so the Gemara says, If you want to be wise, south. If you want to be wealthy, north. The simanich, the simon is, the shulchan, the material table, is in the north. The menorah, wisdom, is in the south. So what that means, the Gemara says, is when you daven Shemana Esrei, you face east, right? But if you want wealth, position yourself slightly north. You want wisdom, position yourself slightly south. Those who know, know if you have wisdom, you have wealth. If you have wealth, you'll probably lose it anyway. Right? So it's better to go for the wisdom than the wealth. But the shulchan represents the material world. The menorah represents the spiritual world. And then dead in center, you have mezbeach haketoyres. That represents kriya shema. Now what, why does the mezbeach haketoyres represent kriya shema? I'm going to share with you another halacha. When you say Shema, the Shulchan Aruch says you should say Shema, Be'ema, Be'ira, Be'resas, Uvizeya. With fear, with dread, with shaking, and with trembling. Why do you need to get so worked up when you say Shema? The reason is, the Rashba says, when you say Shema, one is supposed to think that if ever put to the ultimate test, they would give up their life, Akedash Hashem. This is not like a nice thing to do. This is the fundamental kavana when one says Shema. One should think, if ever put to the ultimate test, they, one would give up their life, um, Akedash Hashem. So therefore, it's a very traumatic experience. Actually, the Rebbe Melch of Luzhensk says that when you say Shema, you should imagine yourself like in a raging fire, that you would give, you would jump in the fire for Hashem. Shema is a declaration that you would be Moisar Nefesh HaKedash Hashem. That re- is represented by the Mizbech HaKetoyres, the altar of incense. On the altar of incense, your makariv, like something the soul benefits from, a fragrance, the ketoyres. So the mezbeach ha represents Krishma. 
you're about to get to the Holy of Holies. There's a curtain in the way. The curtain is the Pareiches. The Pareiches represents the bracha of Goal Yisrael. And then when you daven Shmona Esrei, not that you imagine, not that you face the Kodesh HaKadoshim, you imagine yourself as if you're standing in the Holy of Holies. So actually each part of davening is an exercise in virtually entering the Beis HaMikdash. So it's not that, you know, we call davening avoida shabalev, a service of the heart. Why is it an avoida? An avoida is something you do in the Beis HaMikdash. Exactly. When we daven, we're actually going into the Beis HaMikdash. That means when you wake up in the morning, every Jew is in effect a koyhein. And every Jew, aside from Nagel Vasar, before you daven, you wash your hands and you make a bracha on the Siyadayim like a koyen who's entering the Beis Hamikdash. And when you daven Shmoyne Esrei, you're literally in the Holy of Holies. So here's the uh, executive recap. All the tefillahs in the beginning of davening correspond to Ezra's Nashem. You say the 15 Berchus HaShachar, you go up the 15 steps from the Ezra's Nashem to the Ezra's Yisrael. The bracha of Mekadeh Shemai Barabim is the Ezras Yisrael. Karbanois represents the Mezbeach, number 30. Rabbi Shmuel Oimer, number 53, the steers going up to the Ulam. Baruch Sha'amar, the entrance of the Ulam. The actual Ulam is Psuke de Zimra. The entrance of the Heichal is Yishtabach. Every morning, you, you're looking at the Mezbeach when you say, Yotzar or Baruch Every morning, you're, you're looking at the Menorah when you say Ahabaraba. You're at the Mizbech HaKetoyres when you say Shema. You're at the Paroiches when you say Gaal Yisrael. And then, during Shemona Esrei, you're literally in the Holy of Holies. Now, would anybody go into the Beis HaMikdash with a phone? No. No, that's why no Jews have a phone on them when they daven, right? Do you, I don't know any Jews that have a phone on them when they daven. Don't look at me, I don't have a phone on me when I daven, right? I don't know any Jews who would do something like that. So they say, put it on vibrate. Would a Jew bring a phone on vibrate while they would go into the Beis HaMikdash? Nah. It would be defiling the Beis HaMikdash. It would be like bringing, I don't know what, into the Beis I don't even want to say what. And said, so, well, I'll turn it, I'll, I'll put it on silent. No, 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 no. No, you can't do that. When you pray, you're entering the base of Mikdash, you take the stupid phone and you put it somewhere else. You don't have it on you when you daven. Otherwise, how are you supposed to go into this holy, holy places? That will be a real avoida shabalev. That's a real service. That's a real tefillah. That's a tefillah that we could focus all of our energies on connecting to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Chavis Havavis writes, there are five essential purposes of davening. And you want to hear something amazing? None of the purpose of, da- of davening is to ha- ask for something and have your prayers answered. It is a fatal mistake. It is a fatal error to think that I daven because I need things and I'm asking Hashem and I hope He's going to give them to me. It's true. We do hope He's going to give it to us. That's not why we daven. You know why we daven? Number one, says the Chavos HaBavos, Tefillah is the humbling of the soul before the Creator. Number two, it's the elevating 
It's being meroimim hakadosh baruch hu. It's elevating Hashem. Number three, it's thanking Him. It's thanking Him. Number four, it's casting our burden on Hashem. Not asking. It's not. Oh, I need. I need help with this. So Hashem, help me. It's an exercise in casting my burden on Hashem. These are fundamental parts of davening that uh, are facilitated. We we're, we'll be able to focus on them if we're if we can have this imagery in mind that davening is literally entering before Hakadosh Baruch Hu. We could properly humble ourselves before Hakadosh Baruch Hu, elevate Hashem in our eyes, throw our burden on Hashem, trust in Him. And thank Him for everything that He gives us. And then when our davening is over, we say the following tefillah. We say, May it be your will. We've entered the Beis HaMikdash virtually. We've entered all the various spots through the progression of tefillah. Now we're ready for the real thing. So in the merit of us trying to adopt this uh, perspective on davening, may HaKadosh Baruch Hu accept all of our prayers, that we should all be zoicha next time, Yarchei Kala, in the Beis HaMikdash, B'mher V'yamenu, Amen. Thank you very much. You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.